everybody, and welcome back to Don't Praise the Machine. This is episode number 144. As always, I'm on your host. I go by the name Alexander Holland. I'm sat here in a frosty January Berlin, and as always, I'm sat digitally across from my number one pod penguin. He's got to be the one called... John Maloney. And John Maloney, you're back from New York City, back home in that sweet, sweet Melbourne. Yeah. And you had a great time in New York. You said to me you were staying with your dear friend Woody Allen, despite my pleas (laughs) for you to pay for a hotel. Because I yeah. said to you, we yeah. really, really don't need those optics right now after <laughs> I was photographed last year <laughs> with Woody. <laughs> and also also after I was photographed in 2015, sharing a Nathan's Famous down at Coney Island with Jeff and Ghislaine. Uh, so we are on a razor's edge here with, opt- with optics. Yeah. We, got, we don't have great New York optics. Yeah, it's true. It's not but, great. Uh, and I but, said, in an effort to this uh, to assuage people, I said, "Come on, he's made some great films. Doesn't anyone remember Manhattan?" And someone <laughs> said, "Isn't that the one where he was dating a seventeen-year-old girl?" And I said, "That wasn't the point of the movie. It was art." But yeah, yeah you were in New York. You and your partner Jacinta. You yep. ignored you ignored me, so tell me all the double dates that you and Woody and Soon Yi <laughs> went on together. <laughs> <laughs> and Woody, yeah, just popping around the mat. With, uh, he gets good access. He still gets pretty good access um, <laughs> to the classic institutions. We went to the mat. We went to the planetarium. We went to the Brooklyn Bridge. And, oh, man, um, so cool. And I read some lines from... Diane Keaton. I played Diane Keaton's part <laughs> and just interplayed Woody's part. <laughs> and, uh, and no, it's, it was great. Uh, it was, it's nice to be back. It's always a kind of mixed feeling to leave a holiday and come back to Australia. There's always, as I, as I talk to you about, there's always this moment where you get on the plane and you can suddenly, after being surrounded by pleasant accents for several weeks, you hear <laughs> the kind of twangy sound of Australian accents, and then you're on a plane for 14 hours, and then at the other end you get kind of two hours from the militarised border force that we have as our <laughs> kind of customs officials saying, you know, here's a long list of the of – the, they talk about – it's kind of this island mentality where they talk about – protecting Australia's unique way of life and and yeah. as a result they're very paranoid about you bringing in like bugs and toads and microbes wood. wood so they go don't bring any fur or shells in and I was I was just think oh god damn it my fur and shells and I have to go to the- <laughs> my, my New York fur and shells <laughs> my New York yeah exactly <laughs> and uh and I had to run to the bathroom and flush all my shelves down the toilet before we landed. <laughs> it's true, though. You were you were mentioning that biosecurity message that comes up on the screens just before yeah. you land in Australia, yeah. and it's funny. It's funny how such a stupid message that 
part of me, it always makes me angry, but mm. it always reminds me of arriving back home in Australia. So I have this really warm yeah. feeling anytime, <laughs> yeah, anytime that my my film is interrupted and suddenly yeah. it goes, a message from the Australian government. <laughs> Australia <laughs> takes its biosecurity very seriously. <laughs> we need to protect Australia's unique wildlife and way of life and flora and fauna. <laughs> and then it talks about how you can't bring anything in. Yeah, and if, and, ideas. Uh, Don't bring any foreign <laughs> ideas in. <laughs> Declare all foreign ideas as soon yeah, as you right. have to walk up to the security official and go, oh, excuse me, I've got a couple of ideas about, got some different ideas about how society should be structured. They take you into the, to the little side room, yeah, beat, that, right. beat that out of you. <laughs> <laughs> they go, yeah, they go. Do you what? Do you want to do this here or in a private room? And then they just knock you senseless. But everybody in the world is familiar with that because of those television programs, Border Force, and things yeah, like that. Yeah, that's so true. A lot of people that I've met over the years, their impression of Australia. They say, <laughs> "Oh, they're of course everybody's terrified of spiders and snakes." But then they mm. say, "Oh, and you can't be getting a lot of trouble when you come in." <laughs> They get very angry when you come to the country if you've yeah. brought anything because they've just Cre- watched all those shows. The crate of, the crate of abalone. That's all the, <laughs> sh- all the episodes are just someone bringing in like tortoise shells and abalone and they're yeah. like, what, a, well, what I, the fuck have you got here, mate? <laughs> I, always say, I always say that Border Force show should just be called Menacing Chinese Grandmas because that's just... <laughs> Every episode is just some poor Chinese grandmother has turned up to visit her kids and she's brought jars mm. filled with formaldehyde and God knows what is in there and like medicines that you've never seen before. Yeah. And she's, there's just some some fat Australian security force yeah, going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What if this doesn't, you can't bring this. What, you, what <laughs> have you brought in here? What, what are you blood? What the bloody hell is this? And then she's just like getting really angry, going, Why yeah. can't I bring my medicine and yeah. formaldehyde suspended matter into your country <laughs> <laughs> for good luck? I brought and, my uh, luck juices, let me in. And, uh, and yeah, that's, I mean, and that, there was a bit of that when we landed, actually. There was a bit of, um, there was kind of people queuing and the border force people were being very, uh, aggressive and I always just like you it's you go this is I'm very ashamed that this is what everyone thinks when they come here but at the same time it's familiar to me and I'm kind of smiling and shaking my head going oh Australia I miss, I miss you <laughs> I, I also have this uh I also have this this kind of feeling of security and and superiority when I land because I know mm. Because, A, I have an Australian passport, so I know that when I land that they're just going to be, come on, get over here, mate, get back in. Yeah, 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 exactly. And and I always always like um, I I, I walk up to the security person and I make all little jokes with them. Like, yeah. you know, I go, no, I haven't brought anything weird in, mate. Just just me wallet. I've just got me passport here. I hope I can come in with me passport. Like, oh, you're all right, mate, in you get. And then somebody, somebody, somebody behind me. With a slightly yeah. more tanned complexion, just wrestle to the ground and put, <laughs> yeah, in, put right. into some, put into a box, taken take to Christmas Island. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was that was a strange uh, adjustment, and it's very warm here. It's midsummer, obviously. So I've gone from the frosty streets of Brooklyn to sitting in my 
room now. Perhaps that's also worth mentioning. People oh, will, yeah. People will certainly, I mean, we haven't filmed much content until now, although we've filmed a few snippets, but people will certainly be familiar with me talking about recording from the little closet, the walk-in wardrobe in my house. And because we're recording now and because we're generally becoming a bit more sophisticated, I felt like I was trying to run some kind of like second rate radio shack out of my <laughs> out of my walk-in robe last time because I had all this equipment sort of piling up on the laundry basket and I thought this is unsustainable so I've transitioned back to my home office now and I got to say I will I will miss uh the walk-in robe because without the pre I mean it's about 2 years I've been recording in there close to and without the pretext of podcasting i can't i don't really have a explainable reason for being for just spending an hour or two sitting in the closet <laughs> drinking whiskey if i just go in there and, and since says are you doing a podcast i go yeah just if that's what you need to tell yourself <laughs> that's fine she opens the door there's no microphone or laptop <laughs> it's just you on a chair with a glass of whiskey with your head with your head down <laughs> I just need a little bit of time to myself. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, there were times where we finished recording and then I was like, oh, well, I'm sort of comfortably ensconced in this soundless room. I might just kind of watch something on my phone and finish this whiskey and it was quite pleasant. Um, so I'll miss that. But uh, you can see I'm in the, the home office I've got here. Yeah, go, from this side. Yeah, please got, go through, explain. This is and just also, just before you go on, John, just anybody who's listening to the audio version, we're on yeah. YouTube now. John's yeah. going to explain. He's going to explain to you what mm. he's pointing at. But this is also a great opportunity if you've not checked us out on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Don't praise the machine, the podcast. Go and have a bit of a search on YouTube and we'll come up every episode now in full is being Streamed live, yeah. On or not live, but it's being streamed uh, post record on YouTube. So it's a good opportunity Close to, to check us out. And I've been encouraging everybody get in there, subscribe, mm. comment, and like. Particularly the comments because we get to see <clears throat> you. We get to mm. see people now having a bit of community building in the comment section. And yeah. uh, we can't wait until that comment section becomes an absolute cesspool. So go <laughs> mad in there with your with your weirdest opinions, yeah. your most divisive thoughts. Get sure. in there. Absolutely. We've talked a bit on the show about the joys of of starting arguments in comments threads, and I really recommend it. But also, you know, you might find love in there. You might oh, yeah. start a, you might go, oh, this person's really funny, and then maybe you say to them, look. Can we take this off thread uh, and you know have a drink, um, and then 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 we'll have our first DPTM wedding, which I can't wait to do. Happy to MC that if that ever happens. <laughs> but, pro bono, you've done a lot of pro bono work. Now you're going to be doing pro bono MC weddings. MCing. I think that's the only basis on which I could ever MC a wedding. But yeah, um, I've so got starting, behind me yeah. three degrees. This is a graduate diploma in. Reiki. This is the <laughs> this is this is the masters of Reiki, and this is the finally the PhD in Reiki. So very proud of those years. <laughs> yeah, years that you've got your Oxford, Oxford. You've got your, your Oxford doctorate of Reiki. <laughs> <laughs> They've closed that off now. I was the last person to go through with that degree. 
got raided and shut down. Yeah, yeah this mm-hmm. is the mm-hmm. Oxford mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. here. It's very, it's piss weak. It's like these are it's Adelaide Uni. They're yeah. all kind of oldie worldy, and Oxford's just like we're just going to do a weird flex by having a really nondescript degree. Um, looks but, a bit um, like it looks like the the McDonald's customer service certificate you get <laughs> after you watch half an hour exactly. of one of their videos at your first job. Yeah, that's fryer right. king of the fryer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or you know, a two hundred meters backstroke sports carnival award. That's the your. Kind of- uh, it's 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 funny. Your background now looks very much like an expert that would be interviewed on the BBC mm. and mine is getting a lot closer to being uh, a very obnoxious Twitch streamer. I'm starting <laughs> to get closer to LED. I'm going to just fill mine with cheap LEDs from Alibaba <laughs> and like fill my screen up with, with weird tickers going across the screen. Mm. And yours is very much, yours does remind me of, uh, you've got that look of the, the guy whose kids ran onto the the yeah. show when he was being interviewed on the BBC, which was guy. so cute. Yeah. The little kid comes like proudly stomping in. <laughs> stomping so, in. So and then good. The, and then it must have been his, his wife. His wife, yes, kind of runs in and then sort of tries to go along the floor. So she's outside the frame. It looked quite, made him seem like a bit of a prick, but I, I think he was he, quite innocent. But, I think yeah. he just would have been very anxious, but mm. he it, it was so funny. But in the moment, he was yeah. obviously speaking about something quite serious. I forget what it was. Yeah. But, uh, I guess that would be hard to go like have a light moment if you were talking about, you know, bombings or something. And then you're going, <laughs> oh, let's, it's just my let's take a little break for <laughs> to. Do you want to say hi to the nice BBC man? <laughs> <laughs> so now that. Now that we're uh, now that we're video men, John, that has meant that I've had to start worrying a lot more about my appearance, which is very yeah. healthy. I think, I yeah, think it's very healthy. It's good as as one ages. I, I think haven't eaten start- since we last did this since I watched <laughs> myself on YouTube. <laughs> you, look, you look beautiful, and I keep I keep sending you little words of encouragement. Going, mm. just keep, you keep going. I'm really hungry, Al, and I go, you're <laughs> great, John. Just you're keep doing- it up. Yeah, just keep it up. I have a running okay. joke with a friend of mine, mm. um, which is just which I always say to which I always say where I say, you know, the two most important thing. There's two really important things in life. Number one, <laughs> love. Number two, being skinny all the time. They're the two <laughs> most important things in life. But now that we're that, so I've been giving you encouragement, I've been yeah. saying, yeah, it's fine. You keep saying the doctor yeah. said I'm not supposed to do this, <laughs> and I fine. said. I said, yeah. "Can't everybody? Let's just let's just have twenty five day water fast, and then the, the podcast is not. really going to take off." Yeah, exactly. And then people, a lot of people wrote to us during the week and said, oh, "I didn't realize that John was so much older than Al." And I said, well, I'm, <laughs> "I'm four months younger, so I've got severe body dysmorphia now." Thanks, everyone. I, I, uh, I actually. Actually, to improve my appearance for the cast, I, uh, for the first time, have attempted a t- tooth whitening regime. Oh. So I went to the dentist. I yeah. Actually, I got, of course, I got the idea from YouTube, but I gave myself a little smile a couple of weeks ago in the mirror and I was going, mm. am, I, am I turning into one of those people that has like slightly yellowed teeth that people mm. are going to laugh at at parties and say, don't talk to <laughs> 
don't talk to him. He's got that dirty yellow mouth that nobody wants to talk to. <laughs> and so I went on YouTube and I put in, yeah. uh, you know, best budget teeth whitening solution at rock bottom prices. Mm-hmm. And I found a couple of dental hygienists on YouTube who were great. And they said, oh, yeah, you could you, you can use whitening strips. Mm-hmm. And they said the first thing you should do, though, is actually go and get a dental checkup and get all the – if you haven't had a dental checkup from a, and a clean from a dental hygienist in a while, do that first. So I went and did that just before – uh, the end of the end of the year, got my teeth yeah. done, loved it, got them all shiny and clean, and then I tried to buy Crest whitening strips. They oh. don't sell the good ones in Germany directly, so I had to find right. some weird website <laughs> that you can get them imported. Okay, and so I've bought wow. Crest whitening. It's called I think they're called Crest <clears throat> Glamour White. Takes fourteen days. Yeah, I'm on day five. Yeah, and I'm waiting to see the results. I want to get that real toilet white porcelain that all the Holly weirdos <laughs> get. Yeah, uh, and want to so want it to look like you've just stuck your teeth in a nuclear reactor for a few seconds. <laughs> <laughs> and so I wanted to say to you, John, now that I've committed to teeth whitening, yeah, uh, maybe you want to share with the viewers what sort of cosmetic interventions you're committing to this month yeah i'm going to do that i don't a lot of mine is just kind of not related to what you might see on the podcast but it'll give me a lot of confidence so i'm about a foot taller than i was when the podcast first started i've had my i've done that thing where i've had my legs successively broken and remolded and i've got an ab sculpting bit of ab sculpting done got yeah, some fake implants. some prosthetic um abs in I there. actually uh I... so my face is going to be last on the ticket really <laughs> <laughs> you can have a dot you're very tall with adonis body <laughs> it's actually original face i thought i could give you some suggestions based on some of the hottest cosmetic alteration trends of the last couple oh, of years and say yeah. which of these really say, speaks based, to you based on your based on your most serious imperfections <laughs> yeah let's do that great so i thought we could start with number one it's mm. absolutely been popping off recently and i think it could really give you that kind of superhero confidence that you've been looking for john and that's yeah. the f that's the efron jaw ah uh, yes i did the see Zac efron chin I did see Iron Claw. Now, I don't, ah. he says it's he says it's because he had a fall, right? And he yeah. And then he's got and then he got complications where his mandible expanded or whatever. But I'm Everybody not said, sure. Why do you have a giant Superman jaw now, Zach? Yeah. When you didn't, you had a little weak baby face chin and now you have a massive square jaw. And he said. Oh, yeah, it's because I got a jaw injury and then I had to do jaw exercises or something. Mm. Didn't he's sound done, right. He's too, done too much jaws of size. Yeah, um, yeah. We could. Do, I could definitely do with that a little better. We, I call them jaw wings. They've got to have a little bit of extra mandible out the side to the give yourself that point that comes out. Yeah, the Giga exactly. Chad point. <laughs> the points. Apparently, yeah. apparently, with men in particular, apparently the jaw implants are becoming more and more popular. There's a mm. lot of speculation that former. 
One Direction boy, Liam Payne, has mm-hmm. had a the jaw work done as well. Funny story too. Wow. I once had very strong eye contact with Liam Payne in the British Airways uh, Tegel Airport lounge. Shout out to my yeah. uh, friend Sam and DPT Emma who sorted out the BA lounge for me on a flight to oh. uh, a business flight between London and Berlin once. And I was the only one... It was just about me and nobody else was in the BA lounge in Tegel because it was it was quite a small uh, lounge and yeah. I was just sitting there alone reading the paper and then this entourage came out of a back room and yeah. one of them was – and they were ushering out Liam Payne who was in a sort of beige tracksuit and then he yeah. made really strong eye contact with me like who's oh, this wow. other cool guy who's mm. in the BA lounge <clears> – <throat> And he just seemed like a dick. And now I love that he's become a bit of a – and he just – I love that he's become a meme on yeah. the internet for being a bit of a dick. He's kind of <laughs> – people uh, compare him to David Brent in the way that he's very conceited. Oh, really? And uh, talks about up. himself. He tells these, like, anecdotes about himself that are just veiled attempts to make people think that he's really cool and tough. It's yeah. very funny. Okay. But that's the Liam Payne – Zach Efron, Chin, number two, yep. John. Uh, th- apparently, 34-year-old Joe Jonas of the Jonas Brothers, he's a Joe rare Jonas. example of somebody who's admitted to their enhancements. Mm. So Joe Jonas has openly stated that he gets exomin injectables, which are similar to Botox, to d- right. diminish the look of his frown line. So, John, I'm asking you, mm. will you start shoving tox? <laughs> Right in your head, pig fat the in my face. Yeah, look, I'd, I'd consider it. I'll tell you what, I never thought I'd, I'd be this kind of person, but I'm 41 now, and I think, I'd probably, yeah, I mean, I definitely get my teeth whitened because I've had uh, a lot of, I've had mistreated them. I've passed a lot of dark liquors and and tobacco through that mouth and now, <laughs> now now it looks like when when you're a kid and dark you, matter yeah and you know when you used to do those assignments and you would set the edges of the paper on fire and sort of char it so it yeah. looked a bit oldie weldy that's kind and of rub, the shade of my teeth now. rub tea bags against it <laughs> You'd rub tea bags against you. You do an old, you draw an old treasure map, and then you yeah. singe the edges and rub right, right, tea exactly. bags on it. Yeah, exactly. I've and got- you used to do that with your teeth because you liked the look of pirate <laughs> mouth. <laughs> so right. you would just hold a lighter up to your mouth and rub tea bags on it. But now, <laughs> now it's now it's come back to haunt me. I was trying to look like Gen- Johnny Depp because he was a heart, apparently a heartthrob, and I thought, okay, this must be about having real wrecked teeth and uh, I don't think it is but I do that I do a bit of lasering because I've lived under the Australian sun for too long and I've got a few little spots that I could get rid of not sure Botox would be good though because I just think I mean I'd see I see so many examples of that where it it just looks uh, unfortunate and I think Mm. this person would be better off if they just went with the au natural face and maybe just got a bit funnier or more charming. Uh. <laughs> I've just learned how to tell a good story exactly with some, with some like decent structure. I, I mean, the other <laughs> the other thing is goes hand in hand with Botox, but fillers are the big other mm. thing. So when you start to age, I think your face starts to kind of can, kind of crevice, and you can start to get hollow face, and so yeah. all the Hollywood guilty as charged. <laughs> 
Yeah. So all the all the Holly weirdos get mm. fillers, and I follow a guy on YouTube who I love. He's my favorite cosmetic guy on YouTube and his name is Dr. Gary Linkov and he's a facial plastic and hair surgeon and he's great. He's a very wow. nice way about him yeah. because he is in the industry. He does these analysis videos of celebrities because, of course, none of the celebrities except <laughs> Joe Jonas, shout out to my man Joe Jonas for being so forthcoming, none of the other ones admit that they're having anything done. So yeah. what Linkov does is he yeah. just takes – photographs of them from as early as he can find so he's got like right. pictures of zach efron from when he was like 13 and then yeah. goes right up to today and he goes oh. i reckon i reckon between this photo and this photo he's had this done he's mm. had this done he talks a lot about nasal tip bulbosity which i absolutely love wow. so na- nasal tip bulbosity is if you've got kind of a bit of chunk on the tip of your, on the tip of your nose which is very yeah. common um uh, but apparently that's aesthetically not very pleasing. So, like, virtually every fucking celebrity, it seems, that he talks about, he goes, Zac Efron was presenting at the age of 16, and what we can see here is a little bit of nasal tip bulbosity. And if I have a look in the next video, it appears that he may have had his first rhinoplasty to remove nasal tip bulbosity. And so they <laughs> shave the tip down. So you wow. get more of like so instead like of a having a Peter Panny nose, yeah, more of a Peter, more of a Peter. It's like Peter Panny. Uh, nose. That's what that's the idea with um, MJ, wasn't it? He wanted a Peter Panny nose. Exactly, so he, got, he wanted a Peter Panny head, got and he wanted a bulbosity. Peter, he wanted a, a Peter Panny closeness with other yeah. boys too. <laughs> that's what he wanted. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm more concerned by my. Mid torso bulbosity. So I'd rather, <laughs> I'd rather that be dealt with than my nose. My nose is not the problem here. I it's would crazy. like. I think yeah. probably something that I would like. Now that we've, we're getting into it, imagine if just for the sake of the podcast, I got a Brazilian butt lift so that I <laughs> could remain comfortable on my on my derriere through a long cast. <laughs> just get nothing. Just get nothing out. Put all of your money into butt. Into like a massive Kardashian <laughs> butt lift. Did you know? Again, speaking of trends, it's crazy. Mm. It's crazy how the Kardashians influenced what cosmetic procedures women around the world then got, and then mm-hmm. how they have now themselves is issued the word I could use here. John has like gotten yeah. rid of, yeah, because apparently, I haven't. I think now the Kardashians have said <clears> or it's accepted. Yeah, that they've had some of that stuff removed. So the the, the oh. giant ass, I think, and stuff they've started to have reduced. So they've yeah they basically led a trend mm. where that was the thing, and then yep. the trend because they are trendsetters themselves. Yeah, but but these trends in cosmetic surgery, like trends in anything, shift. So like mm. I say, ten years ago, men weren't getting jaw implants. No, so, or at least not to the same Let extent. Apparently, five hundred years ago, didn't even occur <laughs> yeah. to anyone. Yeah. And so, yeah, apparently the trends in everybody's cosmetic surgery just shifts over time with technology obviously m- m- plays a big part in it as well, yeah. what is available and and how good of a job you can get with as little, uh, you know, downtime. But it's crazy when you watch these Gary Linkov videos on YouTube, Yeah, people that you just wouldn't have thought have ever had anything done and then yeah. he goes oh no they've had stuff done and then mm. it's everybody in hollywood mm. and it's like people who get spoken about as being these icons of like na- aging Na-natural gracefully aging. like like keanu reeves 
Yeah. So Linkov is like, man, Keanu's full of fillers, man. Don't get mm. Neo is absolutely chock full of fillers. <laughs> and he goes. He's taking in, the old, he's red pill and the fillers. Yeah. And mm. uh, there's a whole one on Jared Leto. I mean, I think those people will take very good care of themselves naturally anyway. Yeah. But they have these little, they just or have little. Or at least starve themselves at least. But Yeah. Yes, and Anna, that, but, Anna Taylor-Joy, my. Um, oh, Yeah who's going to be my wife one day, I'm going to have to <laughs> put up with the fact that apparently she's had quite a lot of work done, uh, no. or at least according to the interwebs, mm. which I couldn't believe because she's such a natural beauty. And but, she's uh, also people quite are saying She may have also had nasal got- tip bulbosity reduction. <laughs> yeah. She had the the eyes separated, so she had More. the wide-set eyed look. Yeah, they put a... She had the put- old... Hammerhead procedure. That thing they use when you're a kid to measure your foot, that kind of caliper thing, they stick it between <laughs> her eyes. They they steam your forehead so you get so loose and then they yeah. put that caliper thing between your eyes and then they <laughs> extend it and then leave Facial you there brace. For, for days. And then, <laughs> and then you get that beautiful fish bird look that I love. <laughs> So dear. John, <laughs> what else have you brought on the docket today to donk to donk pronk the machonk, if I can well, you? Yeah, sure. That's a that was a lovely you Pivot. Uh I think we should change the name of the cast to Dutchies Pivs and Segs. Pivs um, and Segs, Pivs, Pivots and Segways. <laughs> but uh oh look, a lot of my inspiration as it as often happens when I've just come back from a trip, is prompted by the trip and also the kind of absurdity of the trip back as as I opened with uh, the, the kind of process of entering back into Australia as a thing in itself. But the flight otherwise went pretty smoothly and it got me thinking about the process of and the industry of airport films, airplane films, and how they're chosen and how they're, you know, kind of developing as a distinct genre. So when I was in New York, I don't know that he's a listener to the podcast, but if he is, shout out to Simon. I met this, met up with somebody I'd met once before who lives in New York, and his job is to um, act, I think, as a kind of negotiator between airlines and film studios that decide on what films they give to airlines. So, you know, United will be like, we want a we want a decent run of films. And there's a complex array of contractual arrangement arrangements that they've got to enter into. And I you guess mean the films comp- the films that play on the uh, the films that play exactly. on the planes in the So when you set systems. up when you get in when you get in and you see a little back of the seat entertainment system and it's got a whole range of movies there. That, you know, there's a whole kind of industry that I wasn't really aware of that sits behind how those movies get chosen and how they get vied for by different airlines and then how they get kind of dumped and sometimes, you know, as with kind of um, as with sort of bricks and mortar theatres, there's package deals like, well, if you want this movie, you've got to screen these other movies as well, all that kind of stuff, which is which is interesting because the airplane is such a sort of nothing space. It's a, it's a sort of in-between interstitial or liminal space as people like people love to use that word liminal i've noticed but um 
uh, it really is, and you don't think about that as being a deliberate choice. And often I reflect on the fact that the kinds of films I watch on planes have a distinct character and my engagement with those films is quite distinct. So I will get off a 14-hour flight and you can say to me, what, how many films did you watch? And I think uh, probably about five. And then you say, list them. And I might not be able to list them all because I've just, and it's like two hours, this movie's going into my brain. <laughs> but then then, I, then the credits roll and I go, all right, what, what else? I've got six hours left. What else am I going to watch? Like, I, wonder just, there's, I wonder if there's an emojis for. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And it's just kind of, it got me thinking about that whole thing. You know, there's this, there's an expression, obviously, airport fiction. People talk about airport fiction, usually books that um, are specifically marketed to people who are going to be on long-haul flights or long travel journeys in general. And uh, I had a bit of a look at that. It's got kind of an interesting history. So apparently in the 19th century, with the rolling out of railways in a lot of industrializing countries, you had much more common long-distance travel, which had previously not been something that a lot of people did. And so you got this proliferation in railway newsstands that catered to the tastes and the needs of people who were, who were you know, everyday people who are now going on these long journeys. And they started to carry these inexpensive books and they were kind of not very good books. They were often a bit salacious they were a bit kind of you know driven by pace rather than any particular engagement with kind of meaningful plot plot aspects or character and so people there's articles from that time from the 19th century in the times you know worrying about this replacing the sort of standard orthodox bookstores and you know i read this extract which is just on the very good wikipedia article on the subject lamenting the fact that people who are normally people of good taste would, quote, lose their accustomed taste the moment they smell the engine and present themselves to the railway librarian. And they were worried about them kind of, you know, consuming all of this bilge on on train journeys that they would have otherwise not. So, you know, stuff that's identif- uh, that's di- digestible, that's kind of, you know, got identifiable plot tropes that you've seen before, that's entertaining, it's pacey, it's not very profound, and it's just kind of enough to sustain you. And I don't know, fast forward to now, you think, well, yeah, that's exactly the kind of thing that I'm looking for on a plane. If I see someone on a plane who is reading, I think that person's some kind of intellectual giant because <laughs> for me, for me, the temptation is to just surrender myself to, <laughs> you know, fit the film selection that's available and my taste really goes out the window because I think I definitely don't want to be you know, I'm tired, I'm kind of spacey, I don't want anything that's going to be particularly demanding and uh, I just want what I guess you could describe as kind of airport fiction in film form. And you see that. Like when I was on United, there was a genre available in the entertainment system which was just called cosy classics, which was like, you know, sort of crappy romantic comedies that you've probably seen before. Yeah. And, you know, it's exactly – and I watched a couple of things from the cosy classics section. I watched Sleepless in Seattle, yeah. for example. And You've Got you, Mail. <laughs> exactly. You've Got Mail was on there and When Harry Met Sally, all the all the Rob Reiner classic hits. And uh, 
And I thought, yeah, I wonder if you were a director, because sometimes you, you hear books described as airport fiction, and I think I wonder how the writer feels about that because they probably spent a lot of time trying to write it and they might not take too kindly to the fact that it's sort of dismissed as this thing that you would, you know, thoughtlessly consume when you're at an airport or on a plane. You, and and then I thought, what what about film directors? Are they, you know, are there particular directors who are making movies that you would think that's a kind of airport fiction movie? And sorry, yeah, I interrupted you. No, I was just going to say uh, you were on long haul flights as a young child as well, John, because you yeah. flew between Canada and Australia. And yeah. some, somebody mentioned something to me about in flight entertainment that I had forgotten, like so many of us, mm. you you forget that it wasn't all that long ago that mm. there were TV screens down the centre of the aisle up the top and that was yeah. the only entertainment that you got. There was no computer in the chair screen in, in front of you where exactly. you got to select what you wanted to watch. There was just, mm. we are going to pick a movie which needs to satisfy every age group and taste range of everybody on this flight. Yeah. And the, which and means nobody's going to love it. Everyone's <laughs> just going to find it tolerable. It. Yeah. And you would put in the headphones and it would just be the one channel of that yeah. movie. Yeah. And That's it's just right. crazy to think what that would be like now on a long haul flight to go. I, everybody's going to watch a. Uh, everybody's going to watch some rom com that's been edited, mm. so there's no sex scenes in it. Or <laughs> yeah, we're right. all going to watch like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Mm. Some 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 G rated film that has a, some, that has interests. We, uh, exactly. Everybody, we're going to just watch Free Willy. Between New York and London. Just like a defanged piece of shit film. So a lot of people (laughs) would be, I guess, inclined to just read instead. So, yeah, it's relatively recent. You could choose. You could choose your book. Exactly. Back then. Yeah. And you couldn't, you didn't have handheld, you know, poisonous rectangles that would give you any, (laughs) any film you wanted. And yeah, I distinctly remember being on those long haul flights when I was a kid and sort of craning my neck to, to watch whatever the fuck it was, yeah, <laughs> land before time, and uh, and then and then just being like dead bored the rest of the trip, a, a level of boredom that would no doubt prove fatal to me these days. <laughs> but um, but uh, yeah, I mean, and I so this whole idea of airport fiction being a a film thing is very new because you didn't previously have any kind of selection mechanism, right? Unless you, unless you're reading a book. But I thought to myself, somebody I hadn't thought about for a while, whose films I really gravitated towards on the planes and who I think might be the the kind of foremost proponent of airport films is M. Night Shyamalan because, yeah, um, right. because uh, you know, everyone remembers The Sixth Sense and yeah. probably not that many people remember that many films that he's made since then. Everybody remembers him as the twist guy. Twist. Yeah, yeah exactly. Get right, everybody. It's M. Night Shyamalan film. It's doing this, but then twist. Yeah, that's right. You think it's about this, but actually it's about that. And, and I watched one on the way to New York and one on the way back, both M. Night Shyamalan films, and I thought I was thinking about it and I had to look up the titles of both films. Such was the kind of minimal impression that they made on me because I just digested them and forgot about them. But they were called Night at the, uh, sorry, Knock at the Cabin, 
Okay. And, and then the second one was called Old. And they- oh, What a terrible name for a- f- that, Who focus grouped that? Old terrible. is the name of yeah. the movie? Yeah. Oh, it's just called Old. And uh, <laughs> I mean, knock at the cabin doesn't really make any sense either because it's like, do you mean the cabin door? Are they knocking on the wall of a cabin? What's going on? And they probably tried knock at the cabin door and someone in the focus group said, that's too many words for me to remember. I'll get to them. I'll get to the multiplex and forget which film I was going to see. And, I mean, I kind of loved that. Probably off the back of Sixth Sense, he has forged this reputation as a sort of pretty well-resourced filmmaker who just comes up with these ideas that are like, back of the napkin, 14-year-old boy spitballing bullshit ideas. <laughs> like, they're just crap and the and the dialogue is crap and there's always this kind of hasty exposition and twist, as you say, at the end, which is kind of superficially satisfying but then, you know, you think about it two minutes and think, well, but what about this thing that happened? <laughs> and, that, and, you know, that I was reading a review of, of one of them, Knock at the Cabin or Old, I can't remember which, I think it was Old, and it referred to there being, quote, dumb, dumb plot holes, which I loved because it was just like that's such a hallmark of his movies in that you go, that's just, that didn't make, you know, you didn't bother to like sew up these various loose ends. But on a plane you don't care because you just kind of like, well, it's enough to, I know a twist is coming, so my brain yeah. is kind of superficially plugged in. And when the twist comes and I'm sort of, mildly satisfied by it and then the credits roll i'm just like well that's that next one um, classic a classic m night is a yeah. ton of plot holes yeah but i was i sat through it because i knew there'd be a little twist and i yeah, wondered what's right. that gonna be yeah oh you can so, beat them with water what the fuck <laughs> all right yeah, i'll do exactly what the fuck is that they got here oh, from another fun. planet but they're allergic to wouldn't they have done their wouldn't they have done some kind of research to yeah, exactly water-filled planet and you probably don't want to go down there <laughs> yeah Whatever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Credits are rolling. <laughs> but, you know, and so I wondered, you know, is that where's this going to, I mean, is that a thing? I guess it's not like widespread enough to be worth enough, but I'd love the idea of someone who's not a particularly good filmmaker and then they get into just this kind of 1950s style. You have a stable of actors and you have an exclusive contract mm. with, you know, Starlight or one of those airline alliance companies and so you can only make films that are going to be screened on your back of the seat entertainment system and they're just like mind-numbing bilge films that everyone's (laughs) going to love but i mean i guess the reality is that we're in an era where there's so many films that are being widely released that fit the bill anyway but um but so there you go yeah Can I give you a recommendation film that has come back into my life that I hadn't seen for a few years and I recommended it to my friend Akil and he is a film head and he uh, absolutely loved it. And then I watched it in full alone last night and that is 1998's Pleasantville starring Reese Witherspoon and Tobey Maguire. Mm -hmm. Do you remember Pleasantville, John? I do. I mean, I remember you being like quite a big fan of it when it came out actually. Yeah, right. Um, cause it combined this sort of, you know, magi realist thing with a, with a 1950s Americana sort of yes. aesthetic. Yeah. It's really good. It's really, mm. really worth watching. And mm. 
you watch it and you go, this is this is just the kind of film that would come out in mm. 1998. And I found a little clip on Instagram from Siskel and Ebert, the famous film reviewers from the United oh, yeah. States, and they had both they both had it. The clip was of the, the, their end-of-year show yep. where they were giving their top 10 films of 1998 and they both had Pleasantville in the top three. One of them had mm. it as number two. Wow. And so I watched it again and it is really good. I was really hmm. getting quite emotional through mm. it and so I can I recommend to anybody. It many, many It's years, made so. by the guy, uh, somebody, Ross. He's the guy who then went on to make the Hunger Games films oh, and he wow. and he's the same guy he he wrote directed and produced i think pleasantville he's one of the he hmm. did the whole thing and it's he's real because it was really funny really mm. entertaining the pacing's really good and it's really layered all of the messaging mm. through it and hmm. it's gonna get everybody in the fields if you are looking for a film to watch everybody i'm going to recommend pleasantville please get in touch and let us know that you watched it and tell me what you thought. Now, John, I want to also say before we head out of the studio today that yesterday mm-hmm. was a very important day for people like me. That is an Australian in Europe because for mm-hmm. all Australians who dreamt of moving to Europe and being accepted on the continent as one of their own, one of the Europeans. Yeah. Yesterday marked a very important day because one of my yeah. fellow Euro trash dreamers realized a dream in a way which we could have never imagined. And that's Tasmania's own Mary Donaldson became uh, yeah. the queen mm. of Denmark from the mean mm. streets yeah. of Hobart to Amalienborg Palace. Uh, she's Mary D of Denmark now. You done there you it. Go. I want to say so so much thanks to my friend Sarah in Copenhagen, uh, <laughs> Big Dane, listening to the podcast because she pointed this out to me because I Dane. had I had missed it. I was so focused uh, these last few days on my crest whitening strips uh, <laughs> that I just couldn't focus on any other information because I was yeah. trying to keep keep this quite uncomfortable plastic uh, in. <laughs> In my mouth. So the reason this happened is because Need the other photons queen. photons reflected off my teeth. <laughs> yeah. The other queen uh, abdicated. So Margaret. Yes. I'm going to get all these names. I'm not going to pronounce these right, Sarah. Margaret, the second of Denmark. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she bowed out, which then elevated her son, Crown Prince Frederick, to king. Yep. Thus yep. making uh, Mary the queen of Denmark. And the previous queen was there for 52 Years, uh, oh, she wow. was she was chilling there in in 1972. Yeah, uh, following her father's death, uh, so she'd been there for ages. And so, old and they, Tasmanian Mary Donaldson becomes the Queen of Denmark. Not since Australian cricketer David Boone drank 52 beers on a flight between <laughs> England and Australia has the state of, t- kind of Tasmania pride. shone with such pride. Yeah, as they do. Right now, down there on that stupid, stupid little island. <laughs> I don't think we've got any listeners down there, so that's fine. Uh, the yeah, I read an article the other day about the kind of um, following that she's got in Australia, and the fact that they met at this Sydney bar called the S- Sydney uh, pub called the Slip In. Correct. Yeah, which sounds a bit sounds a bit salacious to me, but um, in the. Uh, uh, 
in Sydney in the year 2000 when she was there for the Olympics and Prince Frederick was there for the Olympics. Ah, so the slip-in's been been capitalizing big time on this and they've got this ah, kind of it's still so there it's still there and they've wow. got um and they've got a uh, they've they've got like danish flags out the front they've been they've got um so let, let me see chris dempsey the general manager says customers often ask about mary and frederick and they regularly serve danish tourist groups and oh, since wow. the announcement of the succession it's really ramping up They've got a special menu item in honor of Frederick called the El Frederico hot dog. Uh, I don't know why they've called it that. I think they've got a um, they've got a restaurant called the which is a Mexican cantina called El Loco. So they've had to awkwardly combine Mexican and Danish. So they've done their best. And there's also a uh, there's a, also a cocktail called There's Something About Mary, of course, uh. um, and. Uh, I personally love the fact that we don't even have an Australian head of state for ourselves, but Denmark. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, So so this made me this made me think, John. uh, You know, I'm over here in Europe. I'm very close to European royalty. So I mean, if Mm. Mary can meet a European prince just bloody chilling at the slip in in Sydney. Yeah. Which European princess will I meet this year while I'm <laughs> off my head on cheap speed in a Berlin nightclub toilet cubicle? And <laughs> who would you pick? <laughs> who would I pick? I wrote a few down. Oh, um, because there's a couple, there's, there's a few that are still single. We've got this Princess Maria Olympia of Greece and Denmark. It's these weird oh, wow. things where royal fam where royal people can represent. Yeah. Different nations. There's Lady Amelia Windsor, if I want to mm-hmm. become British royal, yeah. and Pauline Duscret, du- 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 28-year-old daughter of the Princess Stephanie of Monaco. So there's definitely... Monaco would be good. Oh, man, how good would that be? Imagine I mean, you coming gonna, over. What would Imagine your duties me. be? Like nobody cares what's happening there. <laughs> Just going to the Grand Prix. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Just hanging out at the Grand Prix all the time. Imagine that. Imagine if I just if I just married a European princess, and then mm. you could just come over and we could just hang in a palace and do not just smoke bucket bongs in the palace, but <laughs> not have to do anything. Yeah, and just just kind of saunter down to the local Monaco casino and abuse all the staff and <laughs> have be, a few have a few rolls of rule on the roulette wheel. That'd be great if like. You come over to my palace in Monaco, and I'm just like trying to hook up a bucket bong from a Coca-Cola <laughs> plastic bottle, and all the staff are going. You, we can have access to like drugs that you, you, you didn't even people know existed. People never heard of. Yeah. yeah, people have never heard of. Why are you doing like cheap bucket bongs on yeah. a tennis court? Why do, and why do you insist that we import it from Adelaide? It's not even been grown there, <laughs> but. You- <laughs> But you, but you insist that the <laughs> local fixer calls up your dealer in fucking black, black. Um, what's the place where the hilltop woods are from? Blackwood. Black Is it Blackwood? Wood. Yeah, that's yeah, man. You go. Yeah, no, nah, don't worry about any of this local shit. I want call call Dave in Blackwood. He'll sort I you want out. Blackwood swag. <laughs> that's right. Nosebleed section swag, please. <laughs> Uh, so look, my teeth are going to be much whiter, mm. so that's going to be that's really going to help. But European princess 
isn't going to settle for anything less than a pair of real pearly whites. <laughs> and so that's going to be that's going to be happening this week. John, John, is there anything you want to say about a European princess or to the audience before you leave? Why don't you encourage everybody to check us out on the YouTube channel and the mailing list? Sure, I can do that. Can I just quickly throw in my own plug because it was too there were too many connections for me to not think of it. I recently in the last couple of days watched the 1987 film Running Man with Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> and uh, and I highly recommend it and I was thinking gee the makers of Hunger Games really have got a score to settle because a lot of the ideas are clearly lifted from the 1987 classic, The Running Man. And I might come back to that because the other thing that struck me about The Running Man is you will get a um, you'll get a couple of lines from Arnie, which are classic Arnie lines, which we might talk about because I don't know any other actors that have said, for, for example, he says in Running Man, I'll be back. Now, I'll be back oh. is, a line, is a line you get in the Terminator franchise. Terminator 1, that's right, yeah. That's right. And then he says it, of course, again in Terminator 2 and probably more recent crappier ones. And But you also get it in The Running Man. You also get it in Commando. You also get it in Last oh. Action Hero. So he's doing this kind of thread through type thing. Loyal listeners will remember that we've talked about the thread-through concept. I won't go into it now. But where he's breaking the fourth wall and just reminding people you're watching an Arnie movie. And I'm vexed as to whether or not any other actors did this. And if you know of one, please get in touch. Hello at dptm.org because I really want to examine whether this is a Arnie-specific phenomenon of just having just having, uh, having catchphrases, I guess you could say, that, that transcend particular film franchises or if it's unique to the Schwartz. Yeah, if anybody has any examples of other actors who have slipped in the same line throughout mm. different, the, the same catchphrase, a little wink and a nod yeah. to the audience, which exactly. says to them, I've been in films before. Yeah, I've right. been in other films before. And you go, <laughs> okay, fine. Yeah, I know. Great. Yeah, don't worry about suspending your disbelief. It's me, the actor. <laughs> it's me. I'm Schwarzenegger <laughs> from Terminator 1. I go, into the pol- I go into the police station and I say to the policeman, I'll be back, and then I drive a car right into the reception desk. <laughs> yeah, Remember that? Right. I'm saying the same line from then. Again, <laughs> the other film. And so get in touch. Hello at dptm.org. That's right. We have our own domain. And we have a mailing list now that we're collecting emails for because we're going to be sending out so many hot and fresh ideas john can't wait to write Mm. a newsletter that's going to be coming real soon actually i'm gonna love that if you want to get that hot and fresh you can sign up right now there's a very basic landing page that you can chuck your email address into just go to www.dptm.org and the mailing list sign up form is right there and as i say Mm. we are now on youtube every single week this episode Mm. a lot of people as i speak directly into the camera will have watched on youtube we had a lot of people subscribe last week and jumping into the comments and we're loving building that community yeah and we can't wait to see every single week in my favorite platform youtube and i (laughs) even went to the effort to hook my old man 
Steve up with YouTube Premium as a Christmas present because oh. he was absolutely watching so much Prince live from Japan. <laughs> Prince like, Soundcheck Japan. Sound, Prince Soundcheck <laughs> Japan. He was watching eight times a day and he was having to sit through god-awful ads <laughs> every time he watched it for 30 yeah. seconds. And I said, I don't want to we'll hear from the fucking eye eye net guy every time I want to see a Prince. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, that's all of the admin. Is that what Sam Harris says? What does he say at the start of housekeeping? Maybe? Housekeeping. That's yeah. that's right. Just a little bit of housekeeping. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> Just a little bit of housekeeping today. <laughs> I'll be appearing live. This. <laughs> okay. <laughs> cool. Well, John, why don't you say? Why don't you say goodbye to everybody out. today? Because we haven't really worked out how to end the videos yet. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to leave. Going. Let's I'm just keep leave it going <laughs> till we fall asleep. After, after now, guys, we're going now. It's just for subscribers. It's now going into DPTM after dark. <laughs> <laughs> just a live feed of me cleaning up my study from here on. Uh, yeah, look, thanks very much, everyone. We loved being with you audio visually this week and we're looking forward to a whole year of doing that because it brings us closer together as a community get in those comment sections get on youtube get on instagram and of course get in your favorite favorite podcast provider for the og podcast product we love you and we'll see you very very soon beautiful thanks so much everybody we'll see you next week at the podcast <laughs>